again welcome this morning and let's have a brief word of prayer father we are in um, difficult times but you are a, a constant powerful prayerful obedient god obedient to your children you are faithful we do pray father for those by way of television or youtube or radio that are joining us it's a real privilege to bring the joy of the lord into their households and lord as we examine uh, matthew chapter 25 we've been looking at matthew chapter 25 for the last three to four weeks and dealing with the various parables that jesus talked about the parable of faithful and the unfaithful servant slave and the parable of the talents and now we're at the judgment of the nations all very critical passages of scripture dealing with 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 jesus christ and his ministry bless the reading of your word today as we enter into that final passage of scripture in matthew chapter 25 the judgment of the nations we thank you father you were faithful in matthew chapter 25 in the faithful and the unfaithful servants in the parable of the talents last week, and, and then now this week, the judgment of the nations. We pray your blessings of strength <coughs> and healing upon Lee Gross as he struggles with uh, throat problems and, and skin problems. Now we pray that you would bless the reading and the response of scripture that Boone brings before us in Jesus' name, amen. Hello, loved ones. Good morning. Good morning. Hello. Uh, my name is Boone, and we're going to read responsibly 631, The Incarnate Christ. So I'll give you a, a little time to find it. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The, the same, same was, was in, the in the beginning, beginning with, God. with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. The same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light, which lighteth every person that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came into his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. No, no one hath seen God, God at, any at any time, time. The, the only begotten, begotten Son, which is in the begotten of the Father, he, he hath declared, declared him. him. Reading from John 1, amen and hallelujah. Amen, brother. Thank you, Boone. Let's spend some time in prayer. Father, again, we want to thank you for the truth of your word. We thank you, Father, for those who are with us today, today as we gather. We pray for those by way of television that are maybe a greater distance from us, but they are really next to our heart by the words that we say and the encouragement that we give them. There may be those who are shut-ins and those that are, that are in prison, and we always like to receive those letters and comments by way of uh, telephone or by way of um, letter that we bring encouragement to those who are homebound. We thank you, Father, for the privilege of bringing your word, and we just pray that we may be faithful as we bring this word to you. And now, Father, as you taught us all to pray, saying together, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, 
and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And Mike, would you please come as you share your word of witness to us? Read this scripture, Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 through 46. And this is kind of in the conclusion to the entire chapter of Matthew chapter 25, which we've been dealing with for the last three um, to four weeks. We come to the close of this in the, in the teachings of Jesus. And he talks about the judgment, judgments of the nations. Join with me as I read from Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 and following. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, that's talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ, and many of, many of us from the evangelical, more charismatic, evangelical, conservative Christianity believe that we may be, we may be living in the last days. Now when the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before Jesus, and he, Jesus will separate. Jesus will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And Jesus will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, you that are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I, I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer Jesus, Lord, when, when was it that we saw you hungry, or when was it that we, we, we gave you food? or thirsty, and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you stranger and, and we welcomed you, or naked, and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you, and the king will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these, one of the least of these, who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, his left hand, you that are accursed, depart from me into eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did it, did not do it to me. And these will go away into eternal Say it with me, eternal punishment. But the righteous into what? Eternal life, eternal life. Good morning, brothers and sisters. Our scripture, of course, um, is Matthew 25, 31 through 46. And this section follows Matthew 24. There's something important that happened in 24. Christ warned about dark days and people losing their faith. That apostasy is interrupted when Jesus returns to earth with power and great glory. This time, he will send the angels to gather his elect first before him. When Jesus returns, he will not be a humble servant again. He will come as a mighty king with power this section of uh, Matthew we're reading in 25 is not a parable. It's not. Instead, what it is, is Jesus describing what's going to happen at the end. It's an eschatological uh, statement by Jesus, or end time. Jesus, is, during this, Jesus sits on his throne, and the nations of the world all gather in front of him 
and he judges them. He's not only king, he's judge. He gives them a just judgment, or they get what they've earned, basically. Jesus Christ is the final judge of everybody and of every nation on earth. In verse 32, Jesus separates the nations and differentiates them like sheep from goats. The blessed sheep or countries with faith in him as king are placed on his right side. The nations without Jesus, without faith in Jesus, are goats. And they are not, they do not believe in Jesus, they do not believe in his favor. And Jesus placed them on his left side. In verses 35 through 40, we're given examples of less fortunate people. We're told that when we clothe somebody that's cold, or visit a prisoner in jail, we feed somebody that's hungry, or even welcome a stranger. We're not actually doing it to that person. We're doing it to and for the Lord, Jesus himself. We can note that at that, at that time, back when the Bible was written, people were not thrown into jail as a result of punishment from, um, from their crime. Jail was for people that were awaiting trial to get punishment for crimes. Jail was a waiting place. It wasn't a place of punishment. And it was the responsibility of the friends and family of the prisoners to give them aid and comfort, bring food, flowers, whatever. We should realize also that the Lord is now sitting, setting up his kingdom. The people there, while he's setting up his kingdom, they won't retaliate. They won't go the other direction because they're being pers persecuted so they result with violence. Instead, they bear witness to the king. The judgment spoken of here in 25 should not be confused with the great white throne judgment mentioned in Revelation 20. That judgment is for the names of the people written into the book of life. This judgment, Matthew 25, is for the nations. And this is based on a nation's godly and humane treatment of others. Specifically, countries that favor him. Like we should, the United States and Israel. In verse 41, we see his, the Lord's reaction to the countries that rejected Jesus and his teachings and did not have faith in him. He says, Depart from me, you cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. You know, I thought about this. They might understand, they might not understand why they were sent there. And they may ask him, When did we see you and did not respond favorably in your sight? It's easy. When we see somebody in need, we are to provide the clothes, the warmth. The food. Because we, when, we, when we're doing it to them, like I say, we're not actually doing it to them. We're doing it to and for the Lord. Finally, in verse 46, unfortunate statement is made when asked the question of why. Jesus says, Truly I say unto you that when you did not do this to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. A country's indifference towards Jesus and his teaches seals their doom. Let's not forget that ignoring the needy corporately also seals the nation's doom. Finally, in verse 46, we see Jesus as the ultimate and complete judge. He judges these countries. And they will go into eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. These are the words of the Lord, and I say, Amen. Amen, brother. Thank you, thank you. Let's see, Maria's not here today, is she? Hey, Mike, that was good. I want to thank you for your help yesterday and, and everybody else that helped. And 
Darwin made sure those angels were on the windows and a number of bodies just really helped in getting things out. And, and I just wonder how many years the Peterson family and candles and winter rooms were responsible for that. That's probably many, many years, decades, huh? And we just want to thank them for kind of organizing and making sure that this church is uh, ready for Advent, you know, the coming Thanksgiving, Christmas season. Whenever I stand before you, I, I, I have a lot of things to share, and I was asked yesterday, I think hardly a month goes by, somebody doesn't ask me, you know, how long does it take you to prepare a sermon, and I oftentimes respond, um, 68 years, because that's about as long as I've been alive, and I, I gather information from a lot of my experiences and my relationships in life, and certainly by scripture. Scripture, tradition, reason, and experience have always been those four foundational points in my life. person that was probably instrumental somewhat, uh, she didn't realize it, and I didn't realize it because that was a number of years ago. I have her name in the bulletin. She just celebrated uh, her 101st birthday, Kay Nelson, and I'm sending her a birthday card, and if you'd like to sign it, it's at back, back of the church along with Lee Gross and other cards, and, and um, we set those out for you if you would like to give your blessings to them. I, much like many people that invest their lives and their hearts, both lay and clergy, know of many things going on in the world. You know, we try to separate the fake news from the real news, and it's always kind of a dangerous thing, you know, trying to get ahead of things, because people can only comprehend the things that they understand. And if you get beyond their comprehension, and if they don't understand it, they're in a denial mood. So it's, it's kind of an important timeline that you've got to walk in people's lives. If, if you find there's an, a defense and offense that's going on, and it's hard to make that balance and, and walk that line. From Genesis chapter 1, in God's word, you can look it up too, God wanted us to take dominion over the world. And sometimes the world wants to take dominion over the church. They want to use the language of the church. They want to use certain terms like salvation and dominion. You're going to be hearing this word used a lot. It can be used sacrilegiously as it's been used in many countries that have destroyed their form of free enterprise and democracy. I can only tell you bits and pieces. I've been very fortunate to be part of Intel in, you know, a so-called guru for suicide and violence prevention for the military for 20-some years. I used to run around a lot with the generals and much higher-ranking individuals than, than my status as a colonel. I used to travel around, around the world and the country, and I overhear bits and pieces, which I realized that if I told many people, they, you know, they just kind of blow it off. They wouldn't realize the truth of it, so I had to be pretty careful. Matthew chapter 25, you know, the last three or four weeks we've been dealing with this, and by God's grace, we were never to be content with the profession of Christianity, because there's many professors out there, many individuals that profess Christianity, but they don't necessarily practice it, and there's a, there's a wide difference between professing certain things and, and practicing it. And let us not only talk about religion, but, but let us act on Christianity. And that's kind of the great separation that we come to in this second line of reasoning that Jesus gives in Matthew chapter 25 in this parable here. Let us not only feel the importance of religion, but let us um, do something, but to do something too. And there's a great separation between the sheep and the goats. We are not told that the, and last week, we are not told that the unprofitable servant was a murderer or a thief or even a waster of his Lord's money, but he just didn't comprehend true stewardship. He felt that he was, he or she, was better off just to almost try giving the widow's mite rather than a portion of what truly God had blessed them. 
they did nothing, and this was their ruin, their stewardship ruin. And this, let us beware of a do-nothing Christianity. Such Christianity is, does not come from the Spirit of God. The father of Methodism, John Wesley, said his followers should do no harm. But I want to go further than that. Um, to do no harm can be the praise of a stone, not of a person. Jesus said the very stones will cry out his praise if his faithful people do not. Well, in these verses that have been brought to you, be, to you today, and the, this portion of scripture is being dealt with in probably 80% of Christianity today because 80% of Christianity deals with electionary, or like 20% has a more freestyle um, dealing with um, other forms of format in scripture. But we've been dealing with electionary for the last few months. Well, in these verses, our Lord Jesus Christ, he, he describes that judgment day. You know, we, we like to um, totally forget that word judgment, but all of us are going to be held accountable for the time, the talents, and the treasures we use. I've always tried to develop my mind, body, soul, and spirit in focus with Jesus Christ. And all of us are going to have a judgment day, a judgment day, how we've utilized the talents and the gifts and the graces that God has endowed within us and, and some of its leading consequences of judgment. I don't know. Um, that's a subject that we don't normally talk about, judgment, judgment day. There are a few passages in the Bible more solemn and more penetrating and heart-searching than in this scripture here, the judgment of the nations. May we read it with a, a deep, and may we read it with a, a deep sense of attention, serious attention, which, which it deserves, as all of God's word deserves. Well, let you and I mark in the first place who will be the judge. Who will be the judge in that last day? We, we read that it will be the Son of Man, Jesus. He dealt with that audience who was still kind of dealing with the fact of the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious rulers of the day wanted to kind of deny that, that this new religious leader who was bringing some sense of new wine, new, new light, new yeast, just didn't seem quite compatible with their thought patterns, and so they tried to destroy his credibility at just about every corner. Little did they realize when he was talking about the Son of Man, he was talking about himself. You and I have gained that knowledge over our studies of Scripture that the Son of Man means Jesus, Jesus Christ himself. And that same Jesus who was born in a manger, we try to depict it, you probably want to get a close shot of that manger nativity scene and the beauty of the sanctuary. That same Jesus who was born in the manger of Bethlehem took upon himself the form of a servant. We studied those servant passages just in weeks prior. He was despised and he was rejected of people just like you, you and I. And he often, he often, imagine that, had no place to lay his, his head. You and I have the comforts of our homes, we have the comforts of our beds, but he had no comfort. He was despised, he was reject, rejected, had oftentimes no place to lay his head. He was condemned by the um, leaders of the world. He was trumped upon, he was denied his truthful spot he was beaten, he was, he was scourged, he was nailed to the cross. That same Jesus shall himself judge the world when he comes in his glory. We find in John chapter 5 verse 22, to Jesus the Father hath committed all judgment. 
All judgment was given to Jesus. To Jesus at last every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord, according to Philippians chapter 2, verses 10 through 11. Now, let believers think of this and take comfort. The Jesus that sits upon the throne in that great and that dreadful day will be their savior, will be their shepherd, will be their high priest, their elder brother, their, their friend, their confidant. And when they see Jesus, when we see Jesus, we will have no cause to be alarmed. But let the unconverted, and I trust by way of television or radio or whatever means of communication, if you're just a think so, feel so, hope so Christian, you don't know for sure that you understand the three or four principles of the ABCs that all of us have sinned, all of us have fallen short of the glory of God, and then we need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and that we need to see, confess him as our Lord and Savior, and then we need to authenticate that by a righteous and holy life. Let believers think of this, and let us take comfort. The Jesus that sits upon the throne that great and dreadful day will be their savior, their shepherd, their high priest, their brother, their friend. And when that Jesus comes, we have no cause for, for alarm. But let the unconverted people think of this and, and be afraid. Their judge will be that very Christ whose gospel they at one time despised and whose gracious invitation they refused to hear. You hear much of fake news today. How great will be their confusion at last. They go on in their unbelief. They die in their sins. And to be condemned in that day of, of judgment by anyone would be awful. To be condemned by anyone is awful. I've sat in court on many occasions, and I just was received a summons here just a few weeks ago, and I, I, I don't like to be summoned to court. I, I don't like to spend any time in court. I don't like to try anyone. But to be tried and to be condemned by Jesus in that day of judgment by anyone would be awful, but, but to be condemned by Jesus who would have saved them at one time would be awful indeed. Well may the psalmist say in Psalm chapter 2, verse 12, kiss the son, embrace the son, lest he be angry. And let... let let us mark in the second place who will be judged. Not only who is the judge, but who will be judged on that last day. We read that before Christ shall be gathered all the nations. All the nations shall be gathered. All that have ever lived shall one day give account of themselves at the bar of Christ. Some of my best friends our attorneys. Periodically, I've said that Harry Stephen will call me. One of the last calls he called was from was when he was in ben Venezuela and was trying to straighten out a governmental problem. And by the way, how Venezuela could be, go from the highest prosperous nation in the world to the least, the average individual has lost 20 pounds because they've they've left democracy. They've get caught up in socialism and Marxism. Pray that our country doesn't follow that same vain avenue. All of us, all of us must obey the summons of that great king and come forward to receive our sentence. Those, those who would not come to worship Christ on earth 
will find they, they must come to his great worship service, his judgment, when he returns to judge the world. You'll be called upon not because we are assured that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ, not of works, least any should boast, but on our stewardship of our time and our talents and our treasures. How really are we in thanksgiving? See, thanksgiving isn't necessarily thanks living, it's thanksgiving, the ability to be thankful in our giving. And we're, we'll be judged on not how much we give, but how much we kept. The proportion that we give is thanksgiving, folks. Grace or no grace, conversion or unconversion, faith or no faith, will be the only true distinctions at that last day. All that are found in Christ will be placed among the sheep, among the sheep at his right hand. All that are not found in Christ will be placed among the goats at his left hand. Well, well, our separations will avail us nothing unless we take care to be found in the number of Christ's sheep when he comes in judgment. Who will be the judge? Who will be judged? And then ultimately the third mark in the third place is what manner the judgment will be conducted in that last day. We read here of several, several striking particulars on this point. Let us see what they are. The last judgment will be a judgment according to evidence. To evidence. We'll find out if God is, is really the God of dominion. Or is it a counterfeit dominion? It's interesting how the, the world utilizes some words that God utilized in creation when God said, you and I take dominion of the world. The last judgment will be a judgment according to evidence. The works of us, the works of us are, will be the witnesses which will be brought forward and above all our works, our stewardship, our worship, utilization of our gifts and talents and treasures, the question to be ascertained will not merely be what we said, but what we did. Not merely what we professed, but what we practiced. What we practiced. Our works, our works, our worship unquestionably will not justify us. We will be justified by faith without the deeds of the law or works. But the truth of our faith will be tested by our lives and our works. Faith, which hath no works, is dead, being alone, according to James chapter 2, verse 11. We, we need to justify ourselves by the evidence of our works. And that last judgment will be a judgment that will bring joy to all believers. They will hear those precious words, come, come ye blessed of my Father, inherit the kingdom. They will be, I don't know how many of you have ever seen that movie, um, it wasn't, it wasn't Torino, but it was, I want to think of Torino because that, that was one of my first cars, uh, over Torino. What was Clint Eastwood's movie with Torino? What was it? Was it Torino? Oh, it was Torino. And how he gave his life. Eastwood always tried to portray theologically a sense of Savior. And it might, might be just me, but I look through those camera eyes and I try to think of right away who's going to be the Savior of the movie and how if you haven't seen that movie, Torino, you want to see it because he, he 
portrayed uh, almost a fact of saving this family by these hoodlums and how he took it on the task of giving his life, sacrificing his life for at first was not his his friends as really as almost his enemies. He had no toleration because he was a Vietnam War veteran and and he didn't like, you know, any of the, the Hmong and then he realized that it was the Hmong and Laos that saved a lot of the lives of the, the downed fighter, fighter pilots. But that last judgment, and as the, his will was being read and his family was all gathered around and all of them thought they were going to get the home and they thought they were going to get the, the car or the Grand Trino or, and um, Eastwood donated his, his home to the church, which he had no time for almost in life. And he donated his car to the Hmong student who helped him out as a neighbor. We will hear those words, come ye blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom. They will be owned and confessed by their master before his father and the holy angels. They will find that their wages that he gives to his faithful servants are nothing less than a kingdom, it says. Come, come behold your kingdom. Another passage, he says, behold the mansion that I've prepared for you. The least, the lowest, the poorest, the family of God shall have a crown of glory and we shall be kings and queens reigning in his kingdom. And the last judgment will be a judgment that will bring confusion confusion on all unconverted, unconverted people, they will hear those awful words, depart ye cursed into everlasting fire. They will be disowned by the great head of the church before all the assembled of the world. They will find that as they sowed to the flesh and all the desires of the flesh, so the flesh they must reap corruption. They would not bear, hear Christ when he said, come unto me, I will give you rest. And now they must hear Jesus say, depart. Depart from me, I, I knowest thou not. Departest thou into everlasting life. And they would not carry his cross as they have no place now in his kingdom. And the last judgment will be a judgment that will strikingly bring out the characters, the characters of both the lost and the saved. They on the right hand, who are Christ's sheep, will still be clothed with a sense of humility. They will marvel to hear his work of theirs brought forward and, and commended. They, but they on the left hand, who are not Christ, will, will still be blind and they'll still be self-righteous, they will not be sensible of any sense of neglect of Christ. And, and the scripture says, Lord, they say, when did we see thee and did not minister unto thee? And let this thought sink deeply down into our hearts and our sense of stewardship, our time and our talents, our finances, deeply into our hearts Characters on earth will prove an everlasting possession in the world to come. With the same heart that people die with, will that heart they will rise again with. And let us mark in the last place, shall we be the final and a part of the final results of the judgment day? We are told that in words that ought never to be forgotten, the wicked shall go away into everlasting punishment, but the righteous into life eternal. The state, that, state of things after the judgment is changeless and without end. The misery of the lost and the blessedness of the saved 
are both alike forever and ever. Let no one deceive us in this point. It is clearly revealed in scripture that the, the eternity of God and heaven, the eternity of hell, all stand at the same foundation. And surely as God is eternal, so surely is heaven as endless day without night and hell as an endless night without day. Who shall describe the, the blessedness of eternity? in eternal life, it passes the power of us to even conceive. It can only be measured by contrast and comparison. An eternal rest after warfare and conflict, the eternal company of saints after buffeting, buffeting with an evil world, a fallen world, an eternity glorious and a a painless body, after struggling with all the weaknesses and infirmities that we deal with, no more COVID, no more virus, and an eternal sight of Jesus face to face in our loved ones that have gone on before us after only hearing and believing, all this is a blessedness indeed. And yet the half of it remains untold. Who shall describe the misery of the eternal punishment? It is something utterly indescribable and inconceivable, the eternal pain of the body, the eternal sting of an, an accusing conscience. Think of that for a moment, the eternal sting of an accusing conscience. The eternal society of none but the wicked, the devil and the angels, the, eternal remembrance of opportunities and that were neglected and that a Christ that was despised. The eternal prospect of a weary and a hopeless future. All this is misery, misery compounded indeed. It's enough to make our, our ears tingle and our blood run cold. And, and yet this picture is nothing. It's nothing compared to reality. Well, let us close by way of television and radio and YouTube and Facebook. Um, let us close these verses with, with serious, a serious sense of self-inquiry. Let us ask ourselves on which side of Christ we are likely to be at the last day. Shall we be on the right hand or shall we be on the left? Happy is the one who never rests till they give a satisfactory answer to this question. Father God, we thank you this morning for the tremendous privilege and honor to bring forth your word. We magnify the fact that we are among the living and without any hope so, think so, feel so, or Christianity, we want to know so. We want to know that we're a part of that eternal society of the saved, that we have not neglected the opportunities that you've given us in the utilization of our time and our talents and our treasures. Please forgive us. We thank you for the grace of repentance, that we can repent and we can turn anew to a new sense of stewardship, the utilization of our time and our talents and our treasures. We don't want to face an eternal prospect of weary and hopeless future. All misery indeed. Help us to truly have a sense of self-inquiry. Let us ask ourselves on which side of Christ we are likely to be at that last day. With every head bowed and every eye closed and those by way of television and radio and Facebook and every means of the ABCs of salvation is that all of us, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then B, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, the scripture says. And then C, we need to confess Jesus Christ. Confession, profession, and practice. 
with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you repeat this, these words with me? Dear Jesus, I'm a sinner saved by your grace. Forgive my sins, the things I've committed and omitted in my life. Help me to believe in the utilization of my talents, treasures, and gifts. May I be a true servant of yours. Empower me by your Holy Spirit. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I'd like to call on both of my um, responsive readers now, and they have chosen a passage of scripture, and they're going to be responding. Would you please come? We want to make sure we get all this on the, the mic. For those of you who are with us this morning and have received a, a bulletin by way of mail, we want to kind of get into this Advent season by Luke chapter 2. And if you turn to your bulletin, insert to 628, the child Jesus. We're going to be dealing with scriptures about the incarnation, God becoming flesh, the next few Sundays of Advent. 628 deals with Luke chapter 2. The child grew big and strong. It's talking about Jesus and full of wisdom and God's favor was upon Jesus. Now it was the practice of his parents to go to Jerusalem every year for the Passover festival. And when he was 12, they made the pilgrimage as usual. When the festival season was over and they started for home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know this, but thinking that he was with the party, they journeyed on for a whole day. And only then did they begin looking for him among their friends and relations. And as they could not find Jesus, they returned to Jerusalem to look for Jesus. And after three days, they found Jesus sitting in the temple, surrounded by the teachers, listening to them and putting questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his intelligence and the answers he gave. His parents were astonished to see Jesus there. And his mother said to Jesus, my son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been searching for you in great anxiety. What made you search, he said. Did you not know that I was bound to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he meant. Then Jesus went back with them to Nazareth, and Jesus continued to be under their authority. His mother treasured up all these things in her heart. As Jesus grew up, he advanced in wisdom and in favor with God and men. Amen. Let us continue in our bulletins as we turn to the offertory prayer, and if you'd be so kind to pray with me this prayer. God of mercy and compassion, what is offering that pleases you most? Certainly not the token gifts that make us feel we've done all that is required, but it's a gift that reminds us that need is all around us, and compassion and love are needed desperately and can be given extravagantly. May the gifts we give through your church help the hungry, the thirsty, the imprisoned, but may our whole being be centered on seeing the opportunities to personally make your love real to a hurting world. We follow in Christ's holy, loving way. Amen. Would you stand now for the doxology, please? Father God, we are so grateful for the television station and the radio stations and our 
personnel here at the church that make it possible to express the, the good news of Jesus Christ. For you are an almighty God, deserving of all honor and praise. We have brought our gifts this morning, remembering that the offering you truly seek is the offering of our whole lives. Help us, we pray, to live a life that is worthy in your sight. When we struggle and stumble, help us up and put us on the path again. On the advice of the Apostle Paul, may our lives be focused on whatever is pure, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is pleasing, whatsoever is commendable, so that our offering may be a pleasing in your eyes. In Christ's name we pray, according to Philippians chapter 4, verses 1 through 9. And now may the grace and the peace and the power and the presence and the anointing of God's Holy Spirit go forth and abide with us all and forevermore. In Jesus' name, amen. Happy Thanksgiving to one and all. Any announcements that we need to bring before the body today? Anybody have any announcements or prayer requests? Do continue to remember those who are in need of prayer in our congregation and in our television audience. Go and bring the good news of Christ. Amen. Thank you. 